Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Father, we are thankful and grateful. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity you have given to us to be in your presence, to hear your word. Oh, the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence to teach us. I avail myself as a vessel. You know my infirmities. You know my weaknesses. I pray, Spirit of God, that you use me only as a vessel to teach us, to minister to us. And at the end, let all glory come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands for Jesus as you take your seats. See, the hands are not many, so you have to clap with your strength. Yes. At least make up for the failing ones. What a shock. Christian brother. Say Christian brother. Christian sister. Say what a shock. Mercy. Awesome. Okay. Well, tonight we want to share for a short time. And um, I believe uh, you also want to join your friends at home to start cooking your meals. Today is what? Tuesday. So we share the word of God for a short time. I want to continue with a message that we started with symbols from the prodigal son. Symbols from the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. Luke chapter 15 verse 11. How many of you were here last Tuesday? Luke chapter 15 Oh, is that why a lot of you are not here tonight? Okay, today we will take a softer turn. Take a softer turn and then um, we will... Uh, Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. It's okay. We'll take a softer turn and then when we... <laughs> Hallelujah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, let us read. It's a very nice, very powerful story, very interesting story. And let us read um, Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. 
and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Do you know what is swine? <laughs> to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with a husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of, his, one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father had killed the fathered calf, because he had received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, Neither transgress I at any time thy commandments. And yet thou never givest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with halots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Hallelujah. Amen. 
May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Amen. Wonderful. Do you like this story? It's a very, very powerful story. Now, I was sharing with you last week that this is a practical story. This is not a parable. Hallelujah. This is something that really happened. In the scriptures, when Jesus told the parable, when Jesus told the, uh, um, taught them in parables, he would say the kingdom of God is likened to this. And then he will make an analogy. And he will make a parable. He make up a story and bring to the understanding how the kingdom of God is. Now, this particular one, he said, a certain man had two sons. He was talking about a particular man. Do you understand? He probably didn't mention the person's name for privacy or the people didn't know who the man was. Do you understand? But it was a certain man who had two sons. Hallelujah. I believe all of you know a certain man. You've heard a story about a certain man who had two sons or two children. Do you understand? We know a certain man who has two children. And we can tell a story of a certain man who has two children. Hallelujah. So this is a true practical story. And we are learning a lot of things from this particular story. We are learning so many things. This is a very interesting story. And we are going to learn so many things, so many symbols from this story. Last week, we shared about the symbol of a far country. A far country. We thought about a far country. Hallelujah. We, we realized in the story that the younger son went to a far country and not to the far country. There is no particular country that is defined as the far country. But any particular distance that we will put between us and the father, that makes us far away from the father that place becomes a far country. Hallelujah. That place becomes a far country. And last week we realized that there are so many things, so many ways that we can stay far away from the Father. Hallelujah. And we went through um, certain things that can put a distance between us and the Father. And we said distances as measured in the physical, is objective. It is something that we can actually measure and say you are two miles away from home or you are 50 yards away from me or you are 10,000 miles away that we can measure with precision. Now we said that spiritual distances, we cannot measure. We can imagine we can think, we can figure that there is a distance. Do you understand? And with our naked eye, for what we can only see, we associate distance just as we will measure physical distance. Do you understand? We look at spiritual distance just as we measure physical distance. So if we see someone who is always praying, someone who is always speaking in tongues, for instance. We see someone who is always in church. 
Someone who comes to church every Sunday. Someone who sings in the choir. Or someone who is a shepherd. Someone who is training to be a pastor. Someone who is eager to become a pastor. When we see a person like that, we say this person is very close to God. Isn't that so? That is what we say. When we see someone like that, we say this person is very close to God. This person must be very close to God. Because of what we see. And because of what we measure, we see that if someone is that prayerful, then he's not that far from God. Isn't that so? If someone knows so many scriptures, then he's not that far from God. If someone has a desire to be a pastor, then he must not be that far from God. If someone comes to church, compared to all others who don't come to church, we look at that person and we say that this person is close to God. Do you understand? Isn't that so? Isn't that how we measure people? But we saw a scripture in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. That the way we measure closeness, the way we measure how someone is close to God, is totally different from how Christ measures it. Do you understand? And the way Christ measures it is the most important way. Because he is the one we are trying to be close to. He's the one that we are trying to be near to. And so what he says is a distance is that which should concern us. Isn't that so? So Matthew 15 and verse 8, he says, This people draweth nigher unto me. These people. Who are these people? Unbelievers? Are unbelievers trying to draw nigher to God? No. We are talking about Christians in the church. Christians who sit on these chairs. Christians who open the Bible or who look... There are some of you who don't have your Bible. You don't have a Bible. Since we start projecting Bibles, you don't even bring your Bible anymore. If I go around and I begin to inspect, there are some of you who don't have Bibles. Amen. But it says, This people draweth nigher unto me with their mouths. You see, He says, they draw near unto me. That means that we are making effort. We are trying to draw near. And in our understanding, we are drawing near. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Because he didn't say that these people appear to. But he says, they are drawing. They are drawing near. But the way they are doing it is with their lips. I can see the way they are worshipping. I can see the way they are preaching. I can see the way they are quoting the scriptures. Scripture of the week. The way they have memorized it. And they are quoting it. I can see that they are drawing near unto me. With their lips. They are drawing near unto me. It says, these people draw it near unto me with their mouths. And honoreth me with their lips. With their lips. That means they worship. They honor. 
I honor. Is it not my, my, my lips? If you come and then the doors are closed and then you come to find me here and I'm singing like that. No one, it's a Wednesday. We don't have service. But you happen to have left your, your, your jacket or something like that here and then you were coming, you asked the people to open it for you and then you came and then, ah, who is this? And then you hear, I honor you. No instruments, just me with my quickie voice. And I'm trying and I'm singing. What would be the impression? What would you say? Ash! <laughs> what would you say? Constance, what would you say? You probably will come quietly and you don't want to disturb me. Do you see? You come quietly and then take your jacket and say, hey, as far as we are joking, no. <laughs> you say, hey, we, we are joking, no. You say, we come to church and we come to church, but there are real come to church people. You see, that is what you think. Because you are measuring distance, the man it was he was by the altar. He was just close, alone, alone with God. Do you understand? And so they honor. He says he's worshiping. He's honoring me. He's honoring me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Their heart is far from me now. You who came to find me, kneeling down here and doing that. And you left with that impression. The impression you left with is what you think is happening. Because you cannot see the heart of the person. You can't see the heart of the person. Do you understand? You can't see the heart of the person. You know, I used to think that, you see, before I read the scripture, when we are praying and someone is crying and someone is down and you, you think the person is really in the spirit. Look. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that when the spirit, when the spirit is moving you, don't be emotional because we are supposed to worship the Lord with our emotions. Do you understand? He said, "Thou shalt serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Your heart should be involved with all thy soul, your emotions, your your with all your 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 spirit and your strength." Do you understand? So please, don't get me wrong and, you know, if the spirit takes you and you are in the spirit, be free. Be free. That, you know. Be free. Do you understand? Don't say, I will not, I'm not going to flow anymore. But I'm teaching you something very important. Amen. So, the impression that you left here with is the distance that you measure. And the distance according to what you can see and what you can hear and what you can smell and what you can feel and touch, this person is very close to God. But the scripture says, but their heart is far from me. Their heart is far from me. Amen. Their heart is far from me. So we're saying that spiritual distance is not the same as Physical distance. Hallelujah. Their heart is far from me. When we know, we see someone who is stealing. 
we see a Christian who is a thief. You know? In fact, we caught him stealing. We, he stole someone's iPad. And then we, we saw him. He has changed the cover. That means he had really planned. He has changed the cover. <laughs> and everything. You do understand? And he's using it. And then we realize that, oh, it is the same thing. By the crack on the um, edges. And we identify it. So this is a thing. See, when we see someone like that, we say, oh, this man is very far, or this woman, if women steal also. Then we say, she's very far from God. Do you understand? She's very far from God. You see, that we can easily quantify and say she's very far from God. Do you understand? Or if we, we, we know of someone who is in the church, the person is in the church, but the person is sleeping with men. Do you understand? The person is sleeping with men all the time. And we know. Do you understand? And that we can quantify and say that, oh, this person is also very far. Very far from God. But you see, if we see someone who is standing here and paying his tithe week after week, Week after week, week after week, we can associate that person with someone who is what? Very close to God. Very close to God. But Jesus is saying, that person is as far from me as the fornicator, just as far as the thief, just as far as the liar. Because he's not giving from his heart. He's not giving from his heart. Amen. Amen. So, our hearts are very, very important. Our hearts are very, very important. Today, I want to continue and I want to share another symbol from the story. And I want to share with you about right and wrong journeys. Right and wrong journeys. Right and wrong journeys. We read a scripture in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 about the prodigal son. Um, another scripture I want us to look at is Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 12. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 12. It says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Hallelujah. That means as a man, when you are taking a decision, the way seems so right in your eyes, but the end thereof is death. Hallelujah. The end thereof is death. Now this scripture just on the side, seem to suggest that any decision that you take, any decision that you take as a man, any decision that you take, you should subject it to the word of God. Any decision, every decision you take, you must subject it to the word of God. You must apply the word of God to the decision to see that it is safe. Do you understand? Because as long as you are concerned, it may seem very right in your eyes. Amen. 
And you will not know that the end of that decision is death. You will not know. You can easily be wrong as a man taking a decision without the guidance. He says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. That means there's a particular way which seems right unto man. Would you take it if you know it's the wrong way? You will not. It seems to you, or it appears to you that this is the right way. But the end of that road, the end of that journey, it is death. So in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, look at that. It says, trust in the Lord, how? With all thine heart. Whatever comes into your heart to do, whatever decision you make, whatever comes out of your heart. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Never lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your understanding. It may sound very reasonable. It may sound very logical. Well calculated. And it fits. And it adds up. Do you understand? In your assessment. But the scripture is saying, don't lean on that even. When you have put one and two together and it seems to work out so well, do not lean on that. You must subject it to the word of God. It says, do not lean on your own understanding. Now, someone that has understanding of his own, that means that he has analyzed it and it makes sense. You have some sense. You are not acting foolishly. Do you understand? But the scripture says, do not lean on that understanding. But it says, in all thy ways, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge God. And he shall direct you. He shall direct you. Amen. Amen. He shall direct you. Now, it means that, you know, the things that guide you, the things that make you make certain decisions, you don't even know. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? The thing that makes you make certain decisions, you don't know as a man. You don't know. You don't know what is really guiding you into this decision. Because you have chosen certain wrong things which is leading to death, but you don't even know. Because you will not choose that path if you knew. Amen. You will not choose that path. So he says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. You leave it to him. He shall direct your path. He who sees in your heart, he who knows what is in your heart, he who sees the things that no one can see, that you even cannot know, he will direct you. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you understand the scripture that we are sharing? We will come to that. I want to read another scripture in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 40. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 40. It says, Then shall two 
be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. What a shock. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. The next verse. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women in the choir. Two women in the church. Two women at the projector team. Two women recording the message. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know who will be left and who will go. <laughs> you should point to your neighbor and say, I am leaving you. I am going. I don't know about you, but I'm going. Two women in the church. It says, two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. You know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Hallelujah. If the thief knows the hour that, if the, the owner of the house knows the hour the thief is coming, do you think he will sleep? Do you think he will sleep? If we know the hour that Jesus will be coming, do you think we'll be fornicating? Now the reason why we are stealing the reason why we are fornicating, the reason why we are lying, is that we don't think Jesus will come at this hour. I can finish and ask for forgiveness, repent, and then Sunday is there. I'll be in church. I'll be in church. You see, we are not afraid of God. We don't believe in the things we hear. Because there is no reason, there is no way, there is no reason why we will come to church and read a scripture like this. And then we will go and stand and then we are lying. What about the hour that you are lying? Jesus comes. Or the hour that you are stealing? Jesus comes. Or the hour that you are fornicating? You see? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I, you see? You see, if, 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 it says, if the good man of the house, even the good man of the house, the, the one that is married, clean, even if you know this hour is the hour that Jesus is coming, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think you'll try. <laughs> I don't think you'll try. you go on a prayer line or you open the Bible. <laughs> That hour, you open the Bible <laughs> just to be safe. <laughs> Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? You see, we don't believe. We don't believe that. How many of you truly believe that Jesus can come any minute, any moment? You see, we are all saying we believe. But it's not in our hearts. It's not in our hearts. 
And we don't think it will happen. We don't think it will happen. Hallelujah. He will not, he will have, he says, but know this, that if the good man, know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. He would have watched. He would have watched. He would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. To be broken up. If the thief, if the good man knows the hour the thief will come, he would watch. He would watch. He would not sleep. Amen. He will not sleep. But you see, we do not believe. We know that Jesus can come anytime. We say it, but we don't believe that that is him. We don't even believe that Jesus is coming. Because he says he's coming. And he didn't tell us when he's coming. So let's continue to read. He says, therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour, as ye think not the Son of Man cometh, in the hour that you, you see, these scriptures are very scary. In the hour that you think not that the Son of Man cometh, is the hour that you are lying. In the hour that you think not that the Son of Man is coming, is in the hour that you will stand and give a tithe which is 6%. I don't even call it tithe. It's six, six Sixth. It is. <laughs> because tithe is 10%. Do you understand? You see, it is that hour. It is that hour. It says, in the hour, it says, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Who is it? Who is that person? It blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. So doing. So doing. Amen. So doing. You see, a lot of times we think that the Son of Man will come in the day that we are having a prayer meeting. He will come in a day that we are having communion. He will come in the day that we are listening to a preaching message. We, that is when we, we don't think that the Son of Man will come in an hour that we are not ready. But in the hour that you think not, because the hour that you think not is the hour that you are in sin. It is the hour that you are living in sin. It is the hour that you are gossiping. It is the hour that you are lying. It is the hour that you are fornicating. That is the hour. And you don't think that Jesus will come and catch me this way. You don't think so. Amen. Is there more? He said, verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Hallelujah. Now, from these scriptures, we realize that every one of us is an individual. Every one of us is an individual. As far as God is concerned, every one of us is an individual. Here are two sons. Two sons of the same father. Raised in the same house. 
attended the same church, heard the same messages, listening to the same sermons, two sons, raised by the same parent. Do you understand? But the Bible says one takes a journey out of the house and another takes a journey into the house. Do you understand? Now we see that the one that takes the journey out of the house ends with poverty, misery, ends with loneliness, prostitutes, destitution, ends with regrets, ends with hunger, feeding swine, or eating the husk or the food of swine. He was eating with pigs. This is the one who takes his journey outside of the house, takes his journey away. Move away from the house. This is his end. But you see, when this person is taking the journey, the end thereof looks so real and looks so bright and looks so well. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? The end of that journey, he anticipates, is a journey of glory, journey of living large. Amen. But the end of it was misery, hunger, disappointment. Amen. And the other one who takes his journey into the house now takes a journey of blessed life, a house of abundance, a house full of servants. Isn't that so? A house where servants have enough to eat. How much more the sons? That is the journey. He takes his journey into the house. Into the father's house. Now I want you to note here that when you are in the father's house and you are doing the will of the father, you may not receive what you want. You may not receive what you need. You may not receive what you ask for. Because the things you want and the things you ask for, they are the things that you can see and the things that you can feel. Do you understand? The things that, according to you, they are good for you. The things that, according to you, you you deserve to have. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? You are not asking for those things, leaning on the Father or the father's understanding, or leaning on the father's will, that is not the basis for your request. You are not requesting for those things on the basis of the father's will. You are leaning on your understanding. You are leaning on your own wisdom. And based on that, you feel you need to have a party. You need to have merry with your friends. You need to be given a small kid or a calf to kill and have party and marry with your friends. And that has not happened and you are not happy. Hallelujah. So you see, the father may not throw a party for you. The father may not put on a rich garment and put a ring on your finger which you see that the father is able to do. He can give these things. 
but he has not given them to you. He has not given them to you at this hour. So when you see your disobedient brother or another disobedient person, an unbeliever, doing so well, living with riches, living with wealth, lonesome payment of his inheritance, it's like winning the lotto and then you won one payment. Isn't that so? They do that. They give you a lump sum that you don't want, you want taxes to be taken, everything, and then for you, you just want it today. Amen. So they give it to you in a lump. No more discussion. So you see someone going away like that. Such a disobedient, I believe that when this young kid was leaving, they called his uncles and his aunties and they called everyone to come and talk to this young man. Talk to this young man. And he didn't listen. And he took his journey out. And when you see this, you who is the obedient one, you who is living in the father's house, you who always is in church, you who is always praying, you who is always fasting. You who is always doing the will of the Lord. When you see this, you feel that the Father is not being fair to you. But what you need to know is the Father's mind about you. What you need to know is the Father's mind about you. What you need to know is the Father's heart towards you. That is why he says, lean not on your own understanding. By your understanding, you feel the Father has not been fair to you. By your, by your personal needs and your requests, assessing what you need and what you feel you deserve, you feel the Father has deserted you and the Father has not answered certain prayers. And so if you look at verse 25 in Luke chapter 11, verse 25, is somebody understanding the scriptures today? I said we are taking a softer turn today. So I think you should all enjoy no gittery and discomfort. He says, and when he cometh, he findeth, no, 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 Luke chapter 15 and Luke chapter 15 and verse 25. Luke 15 verse 25. He says, now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. The next verse. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come. This is the servant's response. Thy brother is come. And thy father had killed the fatted calf because he had received him safe and sound. And he was angry. He was angry. He said he was angry and he would not go in. He would not go in to join in the fun. He would not go in to celebrate. He was angry. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, this is the son, the senior son. These many years do I serve thee. Neither transgress I. Is it not how we feel sometimes? I have served God all these years since high school. I have served God. He says, 
Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet, thou never gives me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. This is what he feels should be given him. By assessing what can be done for this person and what the father has done for Why not me? Why? I have served you all these years. Neither have I transgressed. I have not committed abortion once. Look at all these unbelievers that I know that we grew up with. Everyone committing abortion. And now they all have children. Some of them five. Some of them four. I was, I was a, a member of the scripture union. I was a secretary for the scripture union. I was this and I was that. I have done all these things. Look at all these unbelievers. They are all married. They are all married. And I'm serving God, keeping myself pure and keeping myself clean. I have stayed clean, waiting on the Lord. And all these years, all these years, no woman. All these years. <laughs> Not a single woman have I proposed that has said yes. All these years. Do you see? So he says, I have served thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gives me. I have served you in purity. I have paid my tithe. I, every, every job, I have not stayed on a job for more than six months. And I keep paying my tithe. Why? Why? And yet thou givest not, thou givest me, thou never givest me. Never. Wow. That is a very strong, never that I might make merry with my friends. He didn't say give me the fattest calf. He says a kid, not even a kid. This unbeliever, five men proposing to her. Me, not even one, one, one like this. No one. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing? So he said. The next verse. I said, but as soon as this thy son, this thy son was come, this unbeliever, as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thou living. With halots. You see, we didn't even know, I, I didn't know what is righteous living. But this guy gave us the, what is righteous living. Just in case the Bible wants to make it nice. He was with halots, prostitutes. He says, after he which had devoured thy living with halots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, 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 relax, son, 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 tap your neighbor and say, daughter or son, son, relax, say relax, relax, relax. That means stop the complaining, stop the memorandum, stop the complaining, stop, stop, son, stop. Thou art ever with me. I see you every Sunday in church. Every Tuesday I see you. I see you at prayer meetings. I see you praying. I see you fasting. Thou art ever with me. Thou art ever with me. 
and all that I have is thine. All that I have is thine. Everything in this house is yours. All that I have is thine. Amen. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have in this house is yours. Thou art ever with me. All that I have is thine. You need to know the Father's heart towards you. When the Father has not answered a certain prayer, you may feel that he has deserted you. You may feel that he has neglected you. You may feel that he has not heard you. You may feel that the Father does not know that you also need to have a party. That you also need to have a rich garment and a ring put on you. And you think that all these unbelievers, this is what they are having. But he says, son, you are ever with me. You are ever with me. You are ever with me. All these things, all that I have, all these things, they will be added to you. They are yours. They are yours. You are ever with me. You are ever with me. Amen. The reason why you are feeling like that is you are not leaning on my understanding. The reason why you are feeling like that is you are, not, you, are, you, you are leaning on your understanding of what you need. Do I not know that there will be a time that you will need to have a merrymaking? Do I not know that you will have to have a party with your friends? That is what you think you need, but that is not what I think you need now. That is not what I think you need. Amen. So if, if all that he has in thy house is yours, then he will give you to make merry. Kill any animal and eat it. But he knows that in this hour, that is not good for you. In this hour, you ought not make merry with your friends. In this hour, you don't need a rich garment on you. In this hour, you don't need a ring on your finger. But what I want you to understand is that everything that is here is yours. If you can lean on me, if you can subject your needs to my word, if you can not lean on your understanding when you are asking, when you are asking for a merrymaking, don't lean on your understanding, but ask me what my plans are for you concerning merrymaking. If you can ask me that question, if you can throw to me that question, Father, what is your plan for me concerning marriage? What is your plan for me concerning children? What is your plan for me concerning school? If you cannot lean on your understanding, but you can lean on me, then you will know and understand. But as for that, the marriage, it is yours. The children, they are yours. Financial aid, it is yours. A good job, it is yours. Promotion, it is yours. If promotion comes not from the east nor from the west, but it comes from the father, it is yours. All that I have, the silver and the gold that I have, they are yours. But what I need you to do, do not lean on your understanding when it comes to asking of me, but lean on me. Lean on me. And I will direct your path to the merrymaking. I will direct your path to merrymaking. I will direct your path to wealth. I will direct your path to fathered calves. I will direct your path to the marriage. I will direct your path to the promotion, to the job. I will direct your path to the school. Just lean on me and allow me 
to lead you. Allow me to lead you. Because the heart is very important. I said the heart is very important. And Hallelujah. Amen. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. Let the heart be in my hand. Do not let your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Now, where Christ is, is a place of abundance. Where Christ is, is a, is a place of excess. Where Christ is, is a place of no misery. Is a place of no hunger. Is a place of no disappointment. Where Christ is, is a place of no wants and no needs. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I come, where I will be is where you will also be. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But let this heart of yours not be troubled. Amen. Don't touch this heart of yours. It is very delicate. Very delicate. Hallelujah. Very delicate. Now back to our scripture. We are each an individual. Each one of us is an individual. The Bible says two men doing the same thing. Doing the same thing. One will be taken and one will be left behind. Say two men, will, two people will be in the bed. That means a husband and a wife. Isn't that so? A husband and a wife in the bed. One will be taken and one will be left. I don't know who, but me, I'm secure position. <laughs> You can choose to secure your position. But please, Lord, I secure my position. Hey! <laughs> when I read that scripture, I, I, I want to make it like two men. So that, you know, my wife will come. <laughs> Otherwise, um... hallelujah. But when it comes to God, every one of us stands as an individual. Every one of us stands as an individual. When it comes to God. We do not come as a group. We do not come as a husband and a wife. Hallelujah. When it comes to God, we are each an individual. There are two sons. And each one is an individual. The father's relation to them, they are different. Each one is an individual. Hallelujah. And the father looks in the hearts of the individual. Amen. So when it comes to God, we don't do things together. Yes, we all, we, we, we all come to church. We all sing. We are all choristers. We all give thanks to the Lord. We all pay our tithes. Some of us, we all come in the front here and give our tithes. 
Isn't that so? Some online. But each one of us stands as an individual before the Lord. God pays very close attention to every individual. And what his focus is on is the heart for every individual. He sees that the people are all worshiping. He sees that the people are all singing. But what he sees is every person's heart. Every person's heart. Hallelujah. That is why you should never consider a group whenever you are dealing with God. You should never consider a group. You don't consider a group that my friend is not singing in the choir anymore, so I am also not singing. That my friend who invited me to the church has stopped coming, so I'm also not coming anymore. When we come to God, we do not come with friends. We do not come with friends. That this, my friend, my friend does not talk to this person, so I also don't talk to her. My friend doesn't like this person, and so I also don't. When we come to God, in the house of God, we don't come as colleagues. We don't come as friends. We don't come as pests. We don't come as a husband and wife. Look, your husband may not like chocolate, and you will say, I also don't like chocolate. That is fine. But not when it comes to the things of God. Not when it comes to the things of God. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Not when it comes to the things of God. Hallelujah. That my friend is not singing anymore. So I'm not singing. It means your friendship and your marriage must never take any importance when it comes to God. Your friendship is not important when it comes to God. And your marriage is not important when it comes to God. When it comes to God, every person stands as an individual. Because you don't know anybody's heart. Do you know my heart? Do you know his heart? Do you know his heart? You don't know. You don't know anybody's heart. So why do you join someone? Why do you join someone in his havoc? Or why do you join someone in his anger against another person? Why do you join? Because you don't know what is in that person's heart. You don't know from what the motive behind his anger or her anger. The one who knows each person's heart is God. That is the only one who knows each person's heart. So you don't join anyone. You don't, you don't join anyone in, and collaborate in doing something, anything, anything. Not good, not bad. Not good, not bad. What is important is your personal heart. Your heart. Because that is what God is interested in. Amen. That is what God is interested in. When someone is in the choir... You don't know the motive, why the person is in the choir. So you don't let that attract you and say, oh, I also want to be in the choir. You don't know why the person wants to be in the choir. Does somebody understand what I'm saying? You see, when someone is having an issue with another person out of disrespectfulness or, or a thing of that nature, you don't join in that person and say, I also don't like you. Because my friend doesn't like you. Perhaps this person is possessed by a demon. Perhaps this disrespectfulness is a demonic spirit. And in the name of solidarity, is that a word? In the name of solidarity and being a friend, you say, I also don't like you. But God is looking at your heart. I say, God is looking at your heart. 
I want to read one more scripture before we end. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. Can we read from the New Living Translation? It says, the human heart. The human heart. See, I'm teaching you something very, very important. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. The human heart. Is deceitful of all things. That means it's deceitful, more deceitful than your mind. It's more deceitful than your eyes. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It's more deceitful than what your face looks like. It's more deceitful than the beauty. It's more deceitful than makeup. Somebody understand this the, the heart, the human heart is more deceitful than extension. Hair extension. I hope you understand what I'm sharing with you. It says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Of all things. The human heart. And desperately wicked. The human heart. It is desperately wicked. Very wicked. Desperately wicked. You know what is desperately wicked? That means it is desperate to do wicked things. Looking to do wicked things. That is the human heart. It says, and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? No one. No one. No one. No one. No one knows what is in your heart. No one knows what is in my heart. No one knows what is in your heart. No one. You can pose and pretend and it's very deceitful. And you think that your heart is good. You think that the person's heart towards you is good. (laughs) So the next verse, it says, but I the Lord, say I the Lord, say I the Lord, I the Lord, but I the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I examine secret motives. The motives of motives. Because you do understand the word of God, it says, but I the Lord, search all hearts and examine Secret motives. I give all people, all people, their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. And so whether you will join somebody's wicked heart and be involved in a person's wicked behavior and involved in a person's wicked act, the Lord will examine each individual's heart and will give reward according to your actions. He says, I, the Lord, I don't just give rewards because the people came and they lifted up their hands and they were singing. But it must be examination. I have to examine the heart. I search all the hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to 
what their actions deserve. Hallelujah. I think our time is up. I want to pause here and we will continue next time that we will meet. Why don't you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. And we'll continue. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Spirit of God, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we are saved and we are grateful. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We will stand as an individual. Every single person. Everyone will stand. Everyone will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But I, the Lord, I examine, I search the heart and examine the secret motives. And I reward everyone according to their actions, according to what they deserve. I, the Lord, I, the Lord, I, the Lord, but 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 I, the Lord, I search the heart, I search the heart, I search the heart, I search the heart. I examine, I examine, I examine this, the secret motives of men. He said the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is the most deceitful thing. The human heart. The human heart. Therefore, I say, lean not on that. Lean not on that. Oh, Jesus. The heart. The heart. The heart. Oh, Lord. Our heart. Our heart. Let our hearts be pure. 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 Set our hearts. Oh Lord, they will pray. Set my heart. He doesn't even know. He says, Set my heart. Perhaps there are some wicked ways in us. Perhaps, 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 Lord. Perhaps. He says, Set my heart, oh Lord. I do not even know my heart. If there be any wicked ways, if there be any wicked ways, oh Jesus, purify our hearts tonight. Purify our hearts. Cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our hearts. In the name of Jesus.
our hearts. Try us, oh Jesus. If there be any wicked ways in our hearts, perhaps there are some wicked things in our hearts. David says, search my heart, search me, search me. I have bent my heart to you, Lord. Search me, search me, search me. Father, we are thankful and grateful tonight. Amen. Lord, we come like David. Jesus. For we do not know what is in our hearts. Jesus. Lord, sometimes our heart leads us to take the wrong journey. Yes. Sometimes we think we have taken the right journey. Oh, Jesus. Father, there is a way that seems right in the eyes of men. There is a way that seems right in the understanding of men. I say the end thereof are death. Lord, we ask, search our hearts and know us. Try us. Perhaps there are some wicked things that are in our hearts. Perhaps our motives of God, they are wrong. Perhaps the decision that we have taken is based on a wicked heart. It's based on deceitful heart. Lord, our hearts are deceitful above all things. For all the things of the human, the heart is the most deceitful thing. Therefore, Lord, may our hearts not deceive us. But Lord, we pray that we will not lead on our own wisdom, not in our own understanding, but in all of our ways. In all of our ways, Lord, we will take the caution and lean on your understanding. And Lord, we ask that you direct us. Amen. Direct us to take the right journey. Amen. Direct us to take the right journey into Amen. our homes. The right journey into our churches. Amen. The right journey towards our pastors. Amen. The right journey towards our marriage. Amen. The right journey towards our relationships. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. We give you praise. Yes. And honor. Amen. We thank you. Deliver us, Lord, Amen. from the heart of the prodigal son. Amen. Deliver us, O oh God, from that deceitful heart of Amen. the prodigal son. We thank you. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. With all eyes closed and every head bowed, if you are here tonight, you want to give your life to Christ, you lift up your right hand and say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that is your prayer, just lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you. Is anyone here like that? You want to give your life to Jesus? Anyone here like that? Anyone here like that? Father, we are thankful and grateful for the gift of salvation. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you clap your hands together? We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.